Hello and welcome to Metaphors of EdTech, a podcast by me, Martin Weller. In this podcast, I talk about metaphors of educational technology. There's an accompanying book published by Athabasca University Press, which you can check out. It's free to download or you can buy the print copy. And in each episode notes, I'll put links to interesting articles or things that are relevant. So check those out. Now, on with the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Metaphors of EdTech. Up until now, in this series of podcasts and in the book, I've been largely pro-metaphors as a way of understanding educational technology, uh, applying a critical lens, and perhaps thinking about um, how we can apply them to our own settings and approach them in a kind of more humane, uh, friendly way, I think. But I think we'll need to flip that a bit in this episode and think about some of the downsides, some of the possible negatives of uh, using metaphors. Um, partly, I think what I've tried to set out in the book and the podcast is that they're a very powerful tool. And as as with Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. So I think we need to approach them with caution, I think. Um, and I set out a case earlier where they can also, they can be used for quite nefarious means. You know, the idea of how you can shape uh, a solution by offering a metaphor to get the, the solution that you want to come about. And we see that this happens a lot in, in politics. But also in educational technology, people trying to sell you an idea, sell you a product, will shape a, shape your thinking around the use of metaphors. So uh, we need to be wary that we're not doing that. Also, you know, trying to force an outcome by using a very powerful metaphor. I've used a lot of uh, different metaphors uh, in this book, and um, some I knew more about than others. Um, and I think there's always a danger of kind of cultural appropriation in these things like that. I've avoided trying to use too many metaphors from you know, folklore, mythology, from places that I don't know that well. So there's quite a few metaphors that relate to uh, Welsh history, Welsh culture, because that's where I live, you know, which so that means more to me. Um, so I think there's a danger of you can just sort of go around picking and choosing bits you want from many different disciplines to, to apply. Uh, and in some ways, that's the fun of it. You know, I think that... that there's a wide range of metaphors and I think also part of their use is that you if you want to communicate with people from a particular a different discipline you can perhaps use a metaphor that allies with something that they understand and um, and recognize but you have to be very careful thinking about just this kind of like uh, pick and mix approach and not giving due care and and um, wait to, to where these things come from your, your base metaphor um, I said they often go unnoticed as well and I think that's that slips often into our language and how we talk often. We might even be aware we're using a metaphor. Um, and that can be difficult to surface sometimes that either it's shaping the way we think or we're using a metaphor that excludes people so they don't have that same cultural background. And I think that brings on to, I think one of the real dangers of metaphors is they can be very inclusive. Suddenly, if people run with a metaphor everyone gets excited about it and they can see possibilities and they like extending it but similarly uh, it can also exclude people and we talked a bit about this with the uh, edgy punk metaphor i think that appealed to lots of people uh, but also to lots of people who didn't like punk they found it very exclusive and, and, and they didn't want to join in and, and um, engage in that conversation you know so if, if i was to use a metaphor of say uh, scooby-doo if you've watched scooby-doo <laughs> the, the children's cartoon program uh, it's quite a fun thing you can imagine that being a very playful metaphor but if you've never seen Scooby-Doo, then it, you immediately feel like this conversation has nothing to do with me. And so that the metaphor is 
it's not only not fulfilling its purpose, but it's actually doing the opposite and it's making people understand something less. Um, I think sometimes we get very excited about the use of metaphors and we come up with them. Uh, well, <laughs> perhaps that's, I should say that I get very excited about the use of metaphors and you start running away with them and this bit and this part and this part and you can start mapping all these different elements across to different domains. But we should always accept that every metaphor is imperfect. There's no perfect metaphor because if you remember back to the uh, early discussions about how metaphors work, you have the, the source domain and, and the, the target domain that you're mapping elements across to, and only some characteristics map across. If it was all of the characteristics, then they would be the same thing, and it wouldn't be a metaphor. So there's always some elements that don't map across. It's worth thinking about, I think, what are the, what are the characteristics that don't map across? And actually, they can be as enlightening as, as the ones that do map across. So why is this metaphor not appropriate? Why is it not like the source domain that we're looking at? Sometimes that helps you tease out things. And I think it's also to, interesting to think that when you find a metaphor that reinforces your point of view, to perhaps take a step back and think, you could probably find a metaphor that does the exact opposite, that makes the exact opposite case from what you're trying to make currently. So you think, hey, I've got this metaphor, it backs up what I think in, therefore what I was originally thinking, um, you know, is reinforced and, and has to be true. But someone else could come along with a completely opposite metaphor that would undermine your case. And so don't take the discovery of a metaphor to be the same as a proof, you know, that that's not the way it works. But they do help you think about situations and help you think critically about them. And I think the interesting use of metaphors is when we are, we use them as a tool for discussion. It, it, what about this part? Where does this map across? Um, and how does this make us think differently about the, the thing we're trying to understand? So overall, I just want to say, you know, I like to explore metaphors. I think this podcast has all been about that, but always have at the back of your mind, yes, but. Yes, but there could be an opposite one. Yes, but who am I excluding? Yes, but what parts don't map across? So as long as you've got that, just that, that little voice at the back of your head saying, yes, but you'll hopefully not get too carried away. And we've seen the danger of, you know, when people do get carried away with things like the uh, digital natives metaphor that sort of led to a whole pseudo industry around this idea that was an imperfect metaphor to start with and became increasingly dodgy as it kind of got expanded and more was placed upon it. So, you know, if, if only Mark Prensky and co had had the yes but voice uh, echoing for them, then maybe we might have all been saved some, some fairly awful arg um, arguments and articles about digital natives. But there we are. So yes, go forth, make good metaphors and be cautious. Thanks for listening to Metaphors of EdTech. Remember to subscribe if this is your bag uh, and also check the episode notes for any useful links and fun things there. Mm -hmm.